the hard shoulder on News Talk with Nissan Subscribe and Drive. No deposit, no compromise, no fuss. Find out more at Nissan.ie. Now, every week here on The Hard Shoulder, we are going to explore a court case that made history in a new slot that we are calling In Our Defence, from the bizarre to the historic, weird to the unconstitutional. We're going to find out just why these cases have left a lasting legacy. And here to take us on this journey is Gavin Dowd. Gavin, you're welcome to The Hard Shoulder. The first case we're looking at is one that legalised drugs, a lot of drugs, for about 24 hours. Is that right? It is. Uh, and unlike Garth Gate and the man who slipped on the ice in RTE News, this didn't make it onto reeling in the years, unfortunately. But it's a piece of Irish history, I think, as well. Did it, did it not? I don't believe it did. No. Amazing. Um, because it, it made international head. We actually, before we go on, there's an actual clip of CNN reporting this. Well, some of the most disorienting, not to mention unhealthy drugs, are now legal in Ireland, but only until Thursday. On Tuesday, Ireland's Court of Appeals ruled one section of the 1977 Misuse of Drugs Act illegal because of a constitutional technicality. Now, online reaction to all of this, Helm compared it to the 2013 movie The Purge, in which the government sanctions all criminal activity for an annual 12-hour period. Others jokingly lamented that they weren't in Ireland to take advantage of the loophole. Yeah, OK, so it, that, that's how it was reported around the world, as I say. Uh, you're going to have to talk us through some of what uh, that CNN reporter told us there. So, so what, what happened here? So it was kind of reported that Ireland had accidentally legalised drugs, which is not really true. Now, you can the judgment came out on the 10th of March 2015. You can imagine, Kieran, what would have happened if this was a couple of days later and it <laughs> fell on St. Patrick's Day, the chaos that would have ensued. So our story starts back in the mid-2000s with head shops. You'll probably remember on most main streets in Ireland, you had head shops yes. selling legal highs, essentially, different psychoactive substances. And in 2010 and 2011, these were eventually all closed down. Uh, now, one of the substances which was on sale was known as methylethicathinone. I don't know if you're familiar with that. <laughs> no, uh, not off the top of my head, Gavin, <laughs> I'll be honest. Uh, its street name is uh, Meow Meow. Oh, yes, so remember that, that this. one, yes. The same case. South Sandy, Park uh, episode and everything about it. Go oh, on. excellent. Okay. Uh, so this was classified, as the CNN report said, in the Misuse of Drugs Act as an illegal drug in 2011. Now, the following year... A guy called Mr. Bedarev appeared in Blanchardstown District Court and he had this drug in his possession. So he decided to challenge the entire act and his conviction. Okay, so so what was the basis for his challenge? So the basis was that in this Misuse of Drugs, drugs Act, it allowed the minister to make drugs illegal on his own. He could sign an order which would make a drug illegal and add it to a big list at the end of the act uh, of what were known as controlled drugs. And this drug was uh, listed at the back of the act. But constitutionally speaking, if you're doing something like this and giving a minister the power to do this, you have to give him sufficient guidance so that he knows what drugs he can make illegal and what drugs he can't make illegal. Uh, so this went to the High Court first. Uh, par- if you'll pardon the pun, the High Court sounds like a funny <laughs> phrase to use in these circumstances. <laughs> and Mr. Bedarev was not successful. Uh, the government uh, were successful with their case and the court said, yeah, the minister has enough guidance to know what goes, uh, what drugs can go on this list. Then he appealed it and it went to the Court of Appeal and it came before Judge Hogan, who's one of our most senior judges. When it comes to the Constitution, he has actually written the book on it. And uh, he ruled differently um, because he said that, well, the barrister for the government argued that if you were adding a drug to this list, if you were making a drug illegal, it would have to be similar 
to a drug that's already on the list. Mm. But he looked through the Act and he said, well, if you look at all the wording of the Act, that doesn't seem to be the case. The minister is at large to put make lots of different substances illegal and certain substances that are maybe now legal, he could make them illegal. And there isn't enough oversight from our politicians. So then he looked at the aim of the Act, which was to prevent the misuse of certain dangerous and otherwise harmful drugs. And that might sound straightforward to you. Dangerous and harmful are words we use the whole time. But in the context of drugs, what what does dangerous and harmful actually mean? Um, And he, he said, you know, does this mean dangerous to everyone? Does it mean drugs that are just dangerous to young people or a certain section of society? And if you think about substances that can be misused... I don't mean to pry about your drinking habits, but are you a coffee drinker? I am a coffee drinker, yes. Uh, would you drink many coffees? I, I Not as much as I used to, but I'd have a few, a handful of coffees every day, yeah. A handful is a nice, nice yeah. vague term. But, I mean, not to be facetious, but, I mean, you, you could see that drinks like coffee or energy drinks that are heavily caffeinated or have different chemicals in them, they could be subject to misuse if you drank too many of them. So, so the, 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 the language in the Act was vague enough that it essentially meant that the minister of the day could outlaw coffee. Well, coffee wasn't exactly the the example given. I'm a big <laughs> bit sarcastic there, but certainly drugs and alcohol potentially is what Justice Hogan said. Like if you think of drug, you know, you think of alcohol, their involvement, its role in antisocial behaviour and domestic violence okay. and road traffic crashes. There's no doubt that alcohol is dangerous and harmful, though it's legal. And even if tobacco, you look at tobacco, I guess as well, tobacco arguably. Certainly, uh, even if you look at you know pharmaceutical products that are legal, but if you overdose on them, I mean they can cause lasting lasting impact on your health. And we look in the states at the moment with the opioid crisis over the past couple of years. These were legal drugs, but overprescribed and you know overconsumed to such an extent that they left. Terrible so, impacts. So, so Judge Hogan then in the Court of Appeal said, what, the, the minister has too much power under this act? Essentially. he's Well, you're allowed to give him this power as long as you give him enough guidance. Okay. And he wasn't told which drugs could be made legal. It didn't explicitly say, no, you can't make alcohol illegal. You can't make tobacco illegal. You can only make head shop drugs illegal. He wasn't given enough, enough guidance. And it's not necessarily that the minister was actually going to turn around and say, Right, guys, prohibition. <laughs> yeah. uh, but it was the fact that he did have the power to do that was the problem. And and so then what? Does the entire act falls? Is that it? Uh, yes. Well, you can strike down just a section of the act or you can strike down the entire act. And the that's what he did. He struck down the law and because it's not inconsistent, with, it's not consistent with the Constitution. And the doll had to scramble basically for 24 hours to make a new law. And, and so for those 24 hours, which is the 24 hours that, that people focused on and it was the focus of that CNN report whereby dr- drugs were legal was was uh, uh, was how it was reported. I mean, was it as simple as that? I mean, could I have kind of tried to import heroin in those 24 hours and tried to sell it? Was it kind of a all bets all. are off? Well, now heroin was not one of the drugs that was legalised by, by this okay. act, so it was not affected. But ketamine, ecstasy, magic mushrooms, I believe the sale of them was still illegal, but the consumption of them was legal. There was no law saying that you couldn't uh, be in possession of uh, ketamine, Okay, but there, there, there might have still been laws in place about importation and supply and sale. But, they, but, but, but for me to go down the street, the guards couldn't stop me if I had an ecstasy pill in my hand and I took it standing right in front of them. If I'm correct in saying you could have stood outside a guard station with an ecstasy pill in your hand and they couldn't have done anything. And funnily enough, 
on a certain buy and sell website, famous Irish website, somebody put up these drugs for sale and said, <laughs> when they're gone, they're gone. Until the lads are finished up in the doll tonight, <laughs> these are for sale. Um, and the the, go- the government ultimately did manage to scramble and get legislation in place, didn't they? It did. Yeah, it had a, a late night session in the doll to pass new legislation. But interestingly, that wasn't the end of the saga. So the government weren't happy with this judgment and they they appealed it and they Mm. went to the Supreme Court, the highest court in the land. And it's an interesting case study for how, you know, the brightest and best legal minds in Ireland can disagree with one another because the Supreme Court actually disagrees with Judge Hogan's judgment. Uh, And this is at a later point. It said, if you look at the list of drugs that are illegal at the back of this act, they all have certain things in common. And from that, you can extrapolate that they're just meant to be these perhaps psychoactive drugs, but similar substances to the ones currently on the list that he can make. Ah, yes, this is kind of starting to ring a bell. So so essentially the Supreme Court said, listen, uh, you know, it's quite obvious for any minister looking at this that, that the aim is only to include drugs that might suddenly be produced in some factory in China uh, and they slightly change the chemical composition uh, uh, to, to avoid the legislation. That this now, this legislation would allow the, the minister to add, you know, piao piao <laughs> on, on if that came to replace bark, meow, bark, meow. Maybe, or whatever yeah, yeah whatever yeah. it happened to be um uh, so listen it's uh, it's absolutely uh fascinating so so i mean what happens there where the supreme court they have new legislation the the court of appeal throws out the old act the government scramble they bring in a new act but then the supreme court come in after this and say well actually the old act was fine what act is on the statute books well, the new act is on the statute. Okay. I guess this was just a, it was an exercise in the government being able to know what the law was and where they stood in terms of giving power to the minister. Now, and, and something you mentioned there, people might be listening and wondering, why couldn't they just have made new laws every time a new piao piao meow meow yeah. came onto the market? Why couldn't they just have had a, do- a vote in the doll and made a new law making that illegal? They could have, of course, but it was just more efficient and effective if they gave the Minister for Health the power to, by order, every time a new one of these drugs came onto market, a new chemical compound emerged, that he could sign it uh, into law as being illegal. Uh, listen, it was a great trip down memory lane, uh, Gavin. Really enjoyed it, and I look forward to next week's one. I know we are also every week going to feature this legal question of the week. Uh, why do judges wear wigs? Well, it all started in the 1600s. It was the reign of Charles II, and everybody in polite society was uh, required to wear a wig. But it seems to have stuck with the legal profession ever since um, it, for a number of reasons. I, I guess it provides authority and status to judges who wear them. It, it gives kind of a sense of seriousness to court proceedings. And a much more practical point, and this is something that's come up recently, that it provides a kind of disguise for judges and a level of anonymity. And Lord Burnett, who was a senior English judge, recently said he sentenced somebody in court, hopped on the London Underground and was sitting next to the person he had sentenced, but luckily the, the, the fella didn't recognise him. But it, it he felt it gave him an element of you know protection from retribution of those he'd been sentencing. All right, there, if you're not a fan, blame the end of the interregnum. We should have never brought back Charles II. Gavin, <laughs> pleasure. And we will talk to you again next week. What are we looking at next week? Well, it's a dispute involving Bert and Ernie from Sesame Street that ended up going all the way to the UK Supreme Court. Oh, Course. great. I look forward to that. Gavin Dowd, thank you very much for uh, uh, talking us through Uh, that this is our new slot, I should say, here on The Hard Shoulder in our defence. Stay with us on the show. We're going to have all your business news next. The Hard Shoulder on Newstalk with Nissan Subscribe and Drive. No deposit, no compromise, no fuss. Find out more at nissan.ie.